Recording. We are live. Chef Joe, sir, family, friends, everybody healthy during this chaos and nonsense. Yes, yes. It's uh, it's crazy though. It I is. Mean, the whole thing is just insane. I mean, I was used to doing live events and everything, and now, you know, it's just in front of my kids, and they can only be entertained for so long. That's right. That's right. Hey, uh, I during this podcast. Um, you know, and, and having friends in the beer and the restaurant business that I've had for, geez, 30 plus years. Um, you know, I've been lucky to work in restaurants, uh, work back in those hot kitchen lines, uh, right. work out front, um, and everything in between. So I like to start up the show. Is there, we're going to talk about your show and some stuff uh, sure. that you're working on as well. But before we do that, is there a restaurant um, or a group or anyone that you'd like to give a shout out to so that they can get some love, that the listeners can go to their website or go somewhere, check them out, whatever that may be? I mean, it's really all Boston restaurants that I'm, you know, get that friends everywhere. But I mean, my buddy Andy Husband's over at the Smoke Shop. He's got a bunch of locations and he's been, he's been doing great work just trying to keep his employees, you know, he's actually, you know, using takeout and he's giving the money to them. He's been doing some great work. So definitely my buddy Andy husband's at the smoke shop for sure. And then smoke shop. Um, is it just, if someone Googles smoke shop in Austin, uh, it's actually in Boston, in, uh, in Boston, I'm sorry, smoke shop in Boston. They'll, um, yeah. If you Google smoke shop in Boston, they'll all come up. Yeah. Awesome. He, he, he has like four locations. So yeah, he's, he's trying his best just to, you know, really keep his employees, above water which is really tough and you know one of my buddies restaurants just went under it's it's a tough environment you know for the restaurant business so they did a big announcement today in boston things are going to start opening up so hopefully you know this summer everything is going to start opening up and everyone can get back on their feet that's yeah that's i mean it's it's been it's been crushing uh and i i can't imagine the 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 pain that um that restaurants are going through. My buddies at a, we usually record this at a bar in downtown Austin oh. uh, called Dive Bar. So I go in there, my buddy oh. Matt, who's the GM, everyone thinks he's the producer. So God bless him, he takes an extra job. But you got a guest or, or I'll do it by myself or he'll do it with me. But you know, you raise your hand, a server comes over with a beer, opens it up for you, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I mean, you know, we, we drink only local beers, Texas beers, trying to support them and and even yeah. now more than ever so i shot over by dive bar picked up a six pack of beers which was fun um but i put we did a thing here in austin where we wanted to um 
organize all the entrepreneurs and just help people out, you know, because yeah. some people, it's, it's not that they're not, they're dynamic thinkers in their world, yep. but they're not dynamic thinkers in pandemics, right? Yeah. And so it's like, hey, what technology, who can you use, who can help you? So I put this post out uh, to this big group on Rally Austin and uh, this guy came out, he reached out. It's the Rambling Rose Ranch, ramblingroseranch.com. And it is a, uh, it's an events location. I mean, and geez, man, events have been crushed. And I was, I was scrolling through his website and I was like, what can I do to help this guy out besides just giving him a shout out? And then I look down and they also have a sister company that does, I mean, for lack of a better term, flowers, but you go to fragrantnirvana.com folks, and it's a heck of a lot more than that. And that's something that you can go, you can go get flowers for someone. Um, yep. You know, you're really not booking events. Obviously no one is, but so for the people listening here in Austin and everyone else, go check out the rambling Rose ranch, go check out fragrant Nirvana. Um, if anything, just follow an Instagram and give them a like. I mean, a little thing like that. I mean, I think it's, it's, um, it's a misconception that everyone thinks, well, I don't have the money to go pay for X, Y, and Z. So I'm broke. So I'm not going to, I can't do anything. And they feel bad. And I don't think they realize a note of support, a little hello. Um, yeah. It goes a long way. It really helps out. It really does. It, it, it really does. I mean, even here in my town in Stoneham, Massachusetts, you know, there's, there's a local co coffee shop called Kushala. Ooh, and I like the name. Oh, it's really, yeah, the coffee's oh. unbelievable. And they're just trying to, they're trying to get through it, you know? So going and getting your coffee at your local shop, like Kushala, who does amazing work and I love them to death and they, they really do have the best coffee, but just those little things stopping by, you don't think like, Hey, you know, maybe it's a minute or two out of your way or three minutes out of your way, but going to that local place to help them instead of going to a conglomerate right now is it's really important because not only are you helping them, it's, you know, it's your community. It's all that trickle down effect that really, that really helps out. And plus, like you said, that little show of support, it goes a long way in somebody's day. Yep. It absolutely does. Now, before we go any farther, um, we're gonna we're gonna watch the movie Waiting with Ryan Reynolds restaurant. Obviously, it's funny. Oh, yeah. uh, we got to talk about our restaurant lives, and you're still living it. God bless you, and and having fun. But on social media, uh, where can people find you? Uh, and then also, you've got a show coming out. So give us all those plugs, and then we'll do them at the end again as well. But to yeah, for sure. I love Waiting. By the way, we uh, <laughs> I was a I was a filmmaker back back in another lifetime. And we did a, a feature film called, that's where I met my wife, actually. She came on as a producer and we, it was called Overserved. And it, it came out the same time as Waiting. You know, it was a little, and we were a little indie guy. Dude, we should have done and, that movie. We'll do this and, uh, again. We'll do Overserved next time. Okay? Oh, dude, it is. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's pretty funny. It's, it's very Kevin Smith. We just, I hadn't seen it for like 10 years. And we just watched it recently, just before this thing hit. A bunch of my friends were like, Hey, do you have that film still? I'm like, geez, man, let me dig it up. And it, it's kind of got this waiting feel to it. It's very, it's, it, it's, it's more crass than I remember, but it, I was a different, you know, it was 15, uh, well, just about almost 20 years ago now, you know, so you're a different person when you're, you know, in your sure. 20s, 30s, but it was really fun to go back. So waiting brings back a lot of memories because we actually had Sam Adams Brewery for a whole summer and we shot 
endless you know, every weekend and they'd fill the kegs for us at the brewery their tasting room that was our restaurant and it was me and our cast and crew was about 30 people and every weekend we'd go there and we would shoot 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 and then we'd empty all the kegs and then be hung over that monday tuesday start prepping and then shoot 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 for a whole summer it was one of the best times we've ever had i was gonna say it sounds like an amazing summer and you know really Sam adams uh, those cats know how to make some good beer Oh man, and they, the, I mean, they literally fill up those kegs and we would just, we would drain them at the end. Like we had real beer, you know, for as we're shooting 12 hours, you know, at the end of 12 hours, things always got blurry because everyone had been drinking at that point. But sure. it was, you know, and I had met, I literally met my wife on that set. Um, like, you know, my best friend was the cinematographer and a lot of those people um, actually work on my show now. So it was nice. kind of funny. Um, a guy who came on, through a friend of mine as an extra. He's actually my producer and director now. And he runs like Vistaprint. He does all the commercials for them, Ryan Cavanaugh. Big wow. shout out to Ryan. And uh, he just came on as an extra and we got to talking on the set because I was in it and I'd written and directed it and he was interested in doing something like that. And lo and behold, we became really great friends. And you know, 15 years later we do my show from scratch together and my wife produced this one as well my buddy who is cinematographer is shot this one it was like this whole collection of people that i've been friends with forever just came and shot this show and it, that, i think that's why it has that real indie vibe to it and that people are really digging it because it's not it's it's not very it's not vanilla it's not something that you'd see on food network you know, it really has, you can see a lot of Monty Python. You can just see these influences that I've had through the years as a filmmaker. And that's why this podcast just seems so cool because, you know, this is, I love film, you know, and, and doing a TV show for me wasn't just, you know, it's, it was never about just getting on air and, and being in front of people and doing a shtick. It, if you see my show, it's on Pluto TV now and mm -hmm. uh, soon to be on Amazon as well. Excellent. And the um, name of the show again is From Scratch. From Scratch. Joe Perfect. Gatto's From Scratch. Yeah, Joe so Gatto's. it's on demand on Pluto, which is Pluto's ridiculously awesome. I love Pluto TV. Big shout out to them. Um, and, you know, we just had this real idea to make a show that was about friends, about family, but about food, but not just me cooking in a kitchen, the adventure. So on the show, instead of me just being a chef and being like, hey, we're going to make chicken piccata, okay. I'm going to go and hand forge my own knives. I'm going to make my own charcoal. I'm going to pull water out of the Atlantic and I'm going to make salt. So every single element on every show I make from scratch, I just still rum when we're making a drink. If we have a pepperoni pizza, I'm making the pepperoni. I'm doing the charcuterie where, and we have a beer dough for the pizza. Well, we go and pick the hops, then brew the beer and then make the dough from that. Then we had a big party at the end of it in Portland for a thousand people and served everybody the pizzas. We pulled the fresh moths, but I milked the cows. Like, you know, it was, <laughs> that's what the whole premise of the show is. And L you know, literally farm to table. I mean, yeah, from everything, was, literally farm to table. Yeah. I mean, I had a fire suit on, I'm hand forging those knives, you know, and like, it was crazy when we made the charcoal, that was like the gruntiest guy thing of all time. You know, it was like, <laughs> it, but it was so fun and it was such an adventure and I think that's why people have really picked up on it on Pluto and really started digging it the the numbers were great people really seem to be just digging it I'm getting a lot of people um 
approaching me on Instagram saying how much they're enjoying the show and how fun and quirky and different because we're mixing film formats, you know, we're using stop animation, we're doing things that an indie filmmaker would do. Sure. You know, and that, it, for me, that's the fun part. But also it hits, it hits more than one nerve, right? It, mm. If you watch a cooking show to learn how to make a burger, yep. you're like, okay, then that's the person who wants to make a, make a burger. Yep. But to go from literally from A to Z, from let's go get hops, let's go get metal, let's forge knives, let's make charcoal, let's milk the cow to get the mozzarella. You know, yep. now you're engaging more than one sense. You're, you're doing more than at the end showing a completed work. You're showing the true process of what it looks like and probably more important than ever right now because people realize people are out of work. People realize there are essential jobs. Yep. But I don't think people fully, and it's not a knock on anyone, I don't think people fully realize what it takes, as simple as it seems to make a pepperoni pizza, the process. The right. process of, oh, you want to cut that pepperoni? First of all, you want to make it. Then you want to cut yep. it? Oh, are you going to cut it? Oh, you got to make a knife. And, and to do that, to run through those steps, to, to make those those challenges real shows a respect for a supply chain that I don't think people realize exists in such uh, a beautiful you, fashion. You nailed it. You hit it right on the head. I mean, that was part of it because for me, showing those purveyors that do that and from the knife makers I work with to uh, Shaw's, you know, to the dairy farm, Shy Brothers Farms and milking cows. I mean, those purveyors, they were the most beautiful people. They're like the best combination of a scientist meets an artist. Yeah. Because they need both. You know, you need to understand the science behind raising your cows in a certain area that they're eating certain grass and what, you know, and you have to understand knife making, what, you know, the carbon you're using, but you also have to have that aesthetic and that artistic part of you to make it beautiful. But is, I mean, that's also what you do, right? I mean, you take the science of making right. food, but if it looks like slop, no one's going to eat it. Yeah. So it's, it's got to be beautiful. It's got to be appealing for the eye. Yeah. And at the same time, if you don't know the science behind it, I, I used to know the chef, Chef Drew Deckman down in Cabo, and we'd go out on the boat. And before he would go catch fish and get the menu for the day, he would dip his hand in the ocean and taste it for the salt content so that he knew what fish to go after. And he's like, you try it. I'm like, I trust you. I mean, I'll crack open a beer at any hour of the day, but I'm not drinking. <laughs> right, you, you, not drinking you ocean go this water. way and you're like, the fish are that way, right? Like, <laughs> They're over there somewhere. And I'll hook one, we're good. I'm happy. Oh, that's so badass because even if that, did, if that wasn't true, that just made, like everyone else is like, that guy knows his shit. That's you know? right. Like, <laughs> He'd be full of shit, but he's just like, this is, I'll gross myself out for 10 seconds to have the respect of this crew. Forever. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to try that next time I'm anywhere. You know, just like, that is so badass. Just try the water, right? Just take tap yeah. water. Well, we're not doing pizza dough today. Um, yeah, obviously, this, the floride's too high today, and this is the temperature's off. I mean, you can't taste that alkaline all over the place. Mm. <laughs> Acidity's up, pH is down. Jesus, we're not going to get that that float that we need for this deep dish pizza, you guys. Come right. on, and don't get me on bottle. Call you out. Who's going to call you out? No, not no not one. at all. Not no at way. All. 
All right, let me, I'm going to hit play on this like four seconds in. So All right. the restaurant business, and it's, it is a crazy one, obviously. From the person that greets you, the host or the hostess, all yeah. the way to the backline dishwasher and everyone in between. And then you've got usually, no offense, a crazy GM who is, yeah. you know, their, their job is how do I put as many butts in the seats as possible? That's what, I mean, that's what they do. And then right. the chef's job is how do I create a menu that can serve 20 or that can serve 200? And mm -hmm. how does it grow? How do you as a chef, when you're at a, you know, how, how do you manage growth? Because a lot of times what you see, or what I've seen, unfortunately, is you see these really popular small restaurants and they grow, but then the menu changes. And just like a beer company that sells out to a Budweiser because they get mass distribution, their flavors change as well, because it's just, it is that subtle change of yeah. mass production. How do you manage that? How, what's the science well, behind that? I'm in a little different boat because I'm a private chef, but I do big events. So we go mm -hmm. from 20 people to 400. So we have to deal with that, you know, where you're doing a small intimate party, but then, you know, with, and everything I get hired to do, it's because of from scratch. Everyone wants everything from scratch because they love that angle. Sure. So for us, we, we really just got to the point where we, we were like, we can't cut corners. We really have to mass produce. You know, if we're doing this party of 400, we have to make 800 empanadas by hand. Like, and we have to make all the dough. Like, we just, for us, it was one of those things. And I think that's where restaurants, a lot of them achieve greatness because they, they never do cut corners. I know a lot of chefs in Boston that, I mean, they're doing, they're in there at four. They're, yeah. And they're, and they're just banging it out like beasts. And that was kind of my approach from the private chef side is, you know, when someone asks for something on, you know, like one of my clients, it's always, well, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to do it just like I would do it, you know, for myself at home, every single element, you have to make it and try to try to scale that, like you were saying, is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. And I can see how restaurants would run into, because I have three days to prep for an event. They're doing, they have to feed people every single day. So I, I do think that that must be one of the toughest parts and keeping your food cost in line, because everyone knows that's like the key to keeping a restaurant afloat is your food cost. So you're trying to keep the quality, you're trying to do quantity, but you're trying to keep cost. That's a, that's a lot of balls in the air, man. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I, the restaurants that I, I was, I worked, you know, I was lucky. They were small private restaurants. They were fun. Uh, we got chefs from all over that would come into Northwest Montana into a big fork and whitefish. And, you know, it was, it was Very cool. always entertaining because it was only busy in the summer. So you'd uh -huh. get these chefs from San Francisco that'd come in or these chefs from France who would just come in for the summer just to cook. And then they're out and they leave again and they go back home. They're uh -huh. at the restaurant for another nine months. And it always blew my mind to see that, that tenacity, like you're saying, getting in at 4 a.m. You know, I, I, was, I started out as a dishwasher. Then I was a prep cook where I'm just cutting calamari and breading calamari. And then I got to be the salad guy. 
And I got to make all the different salads and make the, make the dressings. And then it was dessert. And because it was at a resort, then I got moved up to the 19th grill, where is that burger place after 18 holes of golf. Right. You know, and they're like, you can make whatever kind of burgers you want. We don't care, but be inventive, have fun. Oh, wow. So I'm pulling sliced meats. I'm getting different cheeses, right. jalapenos. I'm just, I mean, I'm, you know, this is 1989. And this is pre-internet. So you're just, you're thinking what would having go good a field on a day. Yeah, you're just having a field day. You're having fun. Just right. goofing off. And then I got to work on the line for a summer. Wow. And That's great experience. I don't know how to express this. Maybe you can. What that oven heat is like. Oh, it's, I mean, <laughs> it, you might as well just be standing in a volcano, right? Because <laughs> you get that ice towels, you wrap around your neck. So the blood going to your brain stays cold. I mean, it's nuts. When I worked the line at a restaurant for, it was about a year. I mean, I, I remember the first dinner service and when all the ovens were on, right? And one oven's just like making tons of bacon. It's, they've cranked, they're cooking bacon in like four minutes. These ovens are going, and it was just like an, I had never been in that kind of crazy environment. And it's like 6,000 degrees. And then I understood why the guys all, I still drink from huge cups, right? Yeah. It's like, that's why everyone has these huge cups because it is so frigging hot. It's ridiculous. I, I tell people all the time, I go, if you enjoyed your food and you didn't like your service at a restaurant, and that's okay, it happens a lot. Sure. The easiest thing for you to do and the most mature thing for you to do is ask for the chef, if, if it's busy, ask for you know um, a prep cook, whatever, tip the kitchen staff. Yep. You don't have to tip the waiter. If you thought the waiter did a bad job, you don't need to go on, listen, I just got done watching all the Michael Jordan stuff on ESPN. Michael, oh, Jordan so yeah, Michael Jordan doesn't go on Yelp and complain, right? He's just, he's just a competitor and he wants to win. And where he gives credit where credit's due. And if he's asked, he will say something to the person's face, but he's not, he's not that guy. Yep. Don't, and I'm, I tell people, I'm like, don't be that person that complains on Yelp. You got a problem? Address it. Call, that, call the manager up. Be like, hey, um, you know what? The food Absolutely. is amazing. This is for the chef. And I've done that, and I've had chefs come out and be like, busy, walk out, uh, thank you, why did I get this? Food was awesome. Waiter, hey man, don't worry about it, your food was awesome. Nothing could distract from how good this food was. Thank you. See, that's fantastic, because we, we always try to do stuff like that too. We always send shots to the kitchen staff, or oh, send, send tall you know, like, and 90% of the time, they call me over and they're like, oh, come do the shot with us, yep. you know? And it's just, it's that part of the, all of a sudden they're energized. They know they're appreciated. You get to do that big hoo-ah, you know, and you oh. get that release. You do a shot. It's fun. They appreciate it. It's fun to do a shot with the kitchen staff because when you're, once you've worked, I think everyone in the world should have to work in a restaurant for at least for, for one year. It will change your perspective on life. It, it will. It, it's, um, it's interesting. And the, and the kitchen to me got me ready for college. Different people, different economic backgrounds, see yep. the world differently, raise differently, approach problems differently. Wow. And you've got to manage all these people from the people that come in that are great customers or bad customers, right? Whether you're waiting yep. tables or pouring drinks or you're on the line, the interaction that you get 
that, that really that broad scope of Americana that you get across the board prepares you so well. It, you know, if you don't, if it's a great point, if you've never been yelled at by a fiery chef, you haven't been yelled at. I don't care if my mom was a five foot one redheaded Irish woman. She didn't yell like a chef. <laughs> no one can yell like a chef. <laughs> no one. There are no CEOs one. that try, right? And they yell and their windows vibrate. And I'm like, it's not the same. It's not. <laughs> my, my sous chef would attest to that because I, <laughs> I very rarely lose my temper, but occasionally, you know, and he's like, Joe just gets that weird look, man. And he's like, I just know it's coming, <laughs> you know, and it's, but that's, it is because you, I think chefs are so competitive with themselves. Sure. I think that's where it really comes from. They're trying to achieve perfection in their minds. And if someone's trying their best, but it's not going the way the chef is seeing it, 99% of the time it's the chef's fault because you're, you're not explaining yourself properly, but it's hard to think that way when you're in the moment, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you just kind of lose it because you're trying to achieve perfection on every plate. And I know I am like every dish that I, I brought, you know, sent to my client today. I was, you know, I, I've cooked for them for six years and I still, you know, it's still, even for my kids when I'm cooking their dishes, it's like, like don't touch that. It's not ready yet. <laughs> oh, dude. I, my daughter turned, when she turned five, I made her a, I had a five layer rainbow cake. Oh, cool. And then I was, did the icing around the side and I cut the hole out and I put the, um, remember those animal cracker cookies that have the frosting on them? Oh yeah, There's, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put those in the center and then cut a wedge out so you could see the colors of the cake. But it was going to be six layers. But I was making the cake and I was a little impatient and I tried to flip it out early and it broke. And I lost, I lost my shit. Over the rainbow cake. Over, over a rainbow cake. <laughs> For a five-year-old that didn't care. <laughs> I lost my mind. And she's like, why is dad so mad? It's just a layer of cake. We'll do another one. I'm like, no, I cannot believe I, I, I'm, I'm smarter than this. It's just patience. Right? You just got to wait one more minute. It's just hot. So it's sticking there. And I'm trying to force it off. And I've broken it. I'm, I'm getting mad now thinking about it because I'm right? I can tell you are. <laughs> <laughs> but that you know, I'm my so wife's looking at me, me slowly doing this, like <laughs> yeah. And my wife, who's never worked in a restaurant, is looking at me like, "What's your problem? Calm down. It's your daughter's birthday." And I'm just like, ah, "I messed yeah, up." You don't understand this rainbow cake. <laughs> I had it in my head, you know? and in my head, it was perfect. Right, and it was six layers, not five. It's right. Six. Well, she's five, so it's five layers. And people are like, "Look, it's five layers. She's five. And I'm just, I'm walking away. Eat your cake. Get out of my house. Don't try to justify it. It's not no. going <laughs> to But only people that have spent time in a kitchen that have had a chef over them push them to excellence. And yeah. only chefs who do that get that. Everyone else just thinks you're crazy. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I had it from both sides because, you know, I started as a director, like the other psycho in, a, in an industry, right? Oh, do explain that a little bit, please, for the people that don't know. Like, I think directors make chefs look like, you know, a calm nana just rubbing your back when you're sick, you know? Like, <laughs> directors are out of their gourd. And, you know, you're in the middle of a shot and someone walks in. I mean, like, it's stuff like that. Someone just makes a noise when you're rolling. And 
you know, you're just so wrapped up in your work, you snap. And, you know, and that's the background I came from, which actually worked out really well because for filmmaking, it's all about preparation. And then when you're executing, you just have to think on your feet 24 seven, nothing goes to, to task. Sure. And for me, that ended up for my career doing events, doing TV shows, things like that. I'm, I'm used to being in that kind of crazy environment where you just constantly have to solve problems and put fires out. So when we're on an event for 400 people and there's four grills and only one of them work, well, we can't bitch about it. We got to solve it because on set, you only have one day and then you lose locations. Yeah. If you don't get it, you don't, now there goes that scene. Now your film doesn't make any sense. So that's kind of how my events have gone where people, you know, even my Sue, Phil, um, big shout out to Phil. And he'll always say, he's like, you just keep your calm. Like, well, if I lose my shit, what happens? Nothing. You know, like at this age, now I know if, if I go down in flames, everything goes down in flames. So I'll keep it together. But it is that background, just like you said, you know, working in restaurants prepped you for college. You know, for me, you know, all the filmmaking and putting out fires and putting together a great team and understanding that that's the backbone of making a film. It's the script. Yeah, you have to have a great script. Yeah, it has to look great. Yeah, you have to have great acting. Everyone knows that. But if you don't have a great team that you can rely on and that are thinking for themselves and problem solvers as well, you're screwed. Yeah, that's true. And it's, I mean, it's interesting. I want to as a, as a private chef, as someone, you know, who has the clients and uh, one, do you rent a commercial kitchen? Do you kind of have your own, how does, how does that work for you? Whether it's you're making a dinner for 10 or, you know, you're doing 400. What's that? Is, is there a kitchen change or is it just like, or is it just more strategy? For big events. Okay. It's commercial kitchens, but for my clients, I cook at their kitchen. Oh, wow. Now, do you have a prerequisite for um, for what that looks like? You like because no, I, mean, I mean, you might come to someone's kitchen and they and let's say they're affluent, they really love what they're doing. Uh, it's a lot of it. fun, but they've got four electric burners, and you know, well, I you know that's funny. I've never run into that. They always have gorgeous kitchens. They just haven't okay. been used much. That makes sense. Yeah. And then, you know, so I cook there and a lot of times they'll get me equipment I want. So oh, I don't nice. have to bring things. They're usually, they're always super nice. So cooking at their house makes it very easy for me. And big events, you just need commercial space because you need to spread out. Yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, commercials, it's just, that's a, that's a largely different animal on yeah. size and scale, but also, you know, what I think a lot of people miss out on, especially when you're laying out a menu or you get a request have you ever, ha I mean, I, I always think in my mind when I think about personal chefs, right? The first thing that pops in my head is A, the request and B, the timing. Because you know, it's easy to be like, I want surf and turf, but it's a little weird to be like, hey, I want empanadas and, you know, and, and they lay out this list of things that they want, that to get them out on time, the prep work, it could be two or three days in advance. Like I have a small kitchen. I have a very wonderful kitchen. I'm very blessed for the kitchen that we have. But I'll cook Christmas dinner for 25 people and I'll do Chinese food. 
and my wife hates it every year because I'm prepping for two days. <laughs> and she's like, why? Just wake up in the, earlier in the morning and do it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It, it, it has to, if it doesn't follow this order and do this way, it'll never get done. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. it's chaos. Then it's a circus in the oven, out of the oven, on the stovetop. And, it, and it's this rotation and this mental clock in your head to keep it warm, but not hot, to keep it going, and then to yeah. cook the other things because they're going to be ready in two minutes, but this has to stay warm for 10 minutes. It's, How do you do that dance? It's juggling plates. You know, you're constantly just juggling. You know, it's just, when you just said that, it totally reminded me of like Thanksgiving when keep it warm, but don't, don't, not too warm. Not too warm. You don't want it cooking, you know, no. like. And I mean, when we're doing 400 people, we're doing a lot. We work a lot in the seaport with a lot of the high-end resident hotels. Okay. And we do a lot of their parties. So I'm cooking live out front. And my team, they give us some of their, they give us two of their rooms in the hotel. And my team sets up in two big rooms and cooks out of those rooms. And I wow. send the food out while I'm up front in front of like, you know, a bigger crowd. I'll be cooking that dish, but I'll be showing everyone how to make, like, we do this, like, seared ribeye crostini with a horseradish cream sauce. Ooh. It's really, it's really, really tasty. It's like a steak. It's the high-end steak and cheese. Okay. And it's really tasty. So I show people how, how to sear a steak, and then I'm slicing it across the grain, you know, so it, it you know, it's really melts in your mouth. So I'll show people how to do that. At the same time, my team's making everything for that dish. So when I finish, 400 people are eating that dish because everyone's bringing it out to them. So they- Oh, it's magic. I mean, so that literally is magic. Think, yeah, it, that's what people say all the time. Like people are like, I don't even understand how you're doing this. You know, and we're calling each other on the phone, we're texting, I'm like, okay, I've run through the dishes now, start sending everything out. And all of a sudden, all the dishes are out on the floor being passed and I'm sitting there, you know, I'm signing some of my cookbooks and we're just talking food to people and it becomes, I want people to just really, I'm just about people really enjoying food. I love food for the reason of sharing it. Mm -hmm. I love sharing it with my friends. I love sharing it with my family. I love sharing it with my clients, big parties, you know, for 400. I love the sharing aspect. I love that people taste something and they freak out and we get to talk about it and makes them happy and they want to do it at home and they ask how, and they get to, you know, recreate it at home and they're emailing me or hitting me up on Instagram saying, but you know, this was the best thing I've ever had. How do you do that? I love that. That makes me smile inside. Cause I feel like, I don't know, like it's just making someone happy for that little bit of time. And it's hard enough, you know, to keep a smile on your face, but I love making people smile with the food. And when we make that magic happen where everything's coming out of like, <laughs> like this GMJ just, he's like, it just comes out. Yeah, it's like, it's magic. It's like magic. All, of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's just coming out of everywhere. Like, one one of the things I've always been told is the greatest gift. One of the greatest gifts you can give a chef is to cook for them. Mm. Also, one of the hardest things to do is cook for a chef because you're you're asking them to remove themselves from the element where, in a lot of cases, they're most comfortable. Yeah, right. And they're and they're yeah. seeing you succeed as well as make mistakes. They're watching you cut and going, geez, curl those fingers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why is your finger on the knife? You know, like, yeah, what, what are you doing? How do you, um, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the favorite meal that's been cooked for you? I mean, 
literally, I mean, no, no one really cooks for me. No. Um, I think the pressure is just, I don't feel like I'm putting pressure on anyone, but I think people feel, well, you know, my son, who he's become a beast. So he really likes to cook. Okay. He's 10, and he can make pretty much, he makes, he can make pretty much everything from scratch. So he can like sear ribeyes. He can make salmon. He makes pasta from scratch himself. Not like pour it out of the box. He makes the dough, rolls it out, makes the fettuccine. Can make wow. tortellinis by hand. He does a lot of my events with me. I take them with me. That's so awesome. He's, he's feeding, you know, 100, 200 people. And he's cooking. And I, he cooks. He either works or goes home. And he's, he just made, um, he made fettuccine from scratch himself. And it was excellent. Wow. So he, he can cook. I feel like the only times, you know, like my wife always lets me pick where we go for when we go out. Like even when we, we were just in New York before all this went down. And she let me pick, you know, the place I want to go. She always lets me pick the restaurants. She never, she never hassles me about that. She just, she knows I, I don't want to go to like, you know, whatever. I mean, people can go where they want. I, you know, I don't yeah. want to go to Denny's when I'm in New York. I want to find something that's really different that I've never experienced before that really changes my perspective. And when we're home, I really love cooking. I really do. Even though I do it all the time. I really love cooking and I feel like if I'm standing there, it really puts pressure on people. I know my friends, even when they're grilling, they're just like, Joe, can you just not stand near the grill? I'm <laughs> 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 not even looking at what you're doing. And like, you know. It's it's true though. I mean, like I have chef friends and I've got a buddy who runs a restaurant. He's not a chef. He run he has great restaurant, they make great burgers. It's it's a sports bar. Yeah. That's a small one. It's not a chain. And so I made ribs once and he loves ribs. And he's, and I go, Hey, and I always make this joke. I'm like, guys, I got this problem with my ribs, man. The meat almost just falls off the bone. It's just one little tender pull and it comes right off. Uh, Jay, when I had ribs at your place, it was, it was a lot harder to, I feel like I really had to work for it. What can I do to make it work for it more? You know, he's like, Hey Bob's <laughs> screw you. Why don't you get up here and make ribs for everybody. Okay. And he'll have me, he'll have friends come over and, like, hey, I've got the family coming over in a week. Can I buy ribs and you cook them? Sure, not a problem. Love to. As soon as, and my dad's a barbecue wizard. As soon as he comes to my house and I try to do the same thing, that shit comes out tough. It's not falling off the bone. Yeah. Uh, the, the sauce is burnt. I, you know, I forgot to do something. And I was like, can you just get out of here? My family would like to eat good food again. Yeah. <laughs> just it get is out of here. It's, it's the same with, you know, with my mom. Like there's actually an episode of From Scratch where we open up on my mom's house and I make bread with my mom and my daughter. So it was like, you know, all of us together making rye bread because that's what I grew up doing with my mom. And you, there's just this one part where they captured it and I was doing part of the prep and she was like, and my mom was like, oh, I don't do it that way. And I was like, oh, but I do. And then I was like, <laughs> you can see me go, <laughs> like, and here I am, a professional chef, and I'm like, oh, maybe we'll just do it your way. You know what I mean? How about we and do it your way? <laughs> yeah. And her chicken salad, I don't care how much. I make great chicken salad. I can't make her chicken salad, no matter how many times I've tried. She, it's up here, and I still can't. I don't know what she does. She's explained it to me a million times. never comes out as good. It's different, man. There's, there's something beautiful about it that – 
And I think that's the great, great thing about food, right? Is everyone can cook, everyone can find their niche, everyone can create if they choose to, if they choose to give the time and the patience sure. to try to understand what's going on, what's happening, and keep practicing. It's yeah. not it's not like being a professional boxer, you know, where mm-hmm. You've got you've to have a certain build. You've got to be willing to take punishment uh, yeah. physically. Cooking is, 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 a, is a game of, which is weird to say, it's a game of rush and patience. Yeah, totally. And, under, yeah. and understanding the balance of both, right, of where they fit. Yeah, I always say that, you know, cooking is just like life. You're always trying to find balance. Yeah. Once you find the balance of a dish, doesn't matter if it's Thai, Italian, doesn't matter what it is, it's balance. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, the sweet to savory, the acid, you know, it. once you understand how to balance something, just like you balance a relationship, you know, anything like that, I feel like it all works out. Isn't that, I mean, it's funny. I, I feel like, you know, COVID-19 and with everything that's going on right now, the limited chicken or beef or chicken stock or anything else, there's limitations on food. Yeah. You know, and it, it sometimes feels like an episode. My wife goes, oh, it feels like an episode of Chopped. What are we going to make? What are we going to have? What do we have? What's going to be good? But then you also think every time they make a critique, they say exactly what you just said. The balance. Where's the acidity to this? Where's the salt to this? Where's the sweet to this? And that's influenced, that balance has influenced my cooking so much to where I do weird things and people are like, well, why would you do that? I'll make a super spicy pizza and I'll do a light honey drizzle on top. Right. I'm like, why are you putting honey on pizza? And I'm like, no, because there's the acidity in the tomato sauce. There's the spice from this and from this. And you got the meat, which is the saltiness. You have to, you have to coalesce that together with a little touch of something sweet. Yeah. Sometimes people add sugar into the dough, right? They, they do different Absolutely. Things. I mean, everybody does, it's those little tricks, but see you really understand cooking because there's when you're adding something that people aren't thinking of it's because you're taking something like you know it needs a little sweetness you might be using agave which someone hadn't used before so now it's like this crazy ingredient but you know it needs sweetness someone might add sugar but you've taken it because you've made it now you're like okay well i want this kind of honey that has that raw grassy note that's going to play against that bright acidic tomato like those are going to talk to each other. The sage in that in that in that sausage, that earth, oh. you know, you're just gonna you're gonna wrap it all up. It's gonna be a perfect little bite if you do it right. Exactly, exactly, and that's what that's the that's what I'm constantly trying to achieve. Like the, my Instagram is filled with me trying to achieve that. Like because I did a bomb me the other day from scratch, Ooh. and I made the Vietnamese bread, you know, which is that light chewy baguette influenced from when the French came to Vietnam and. You know, and I was like, okay, I'm not a huge fan of the pate when yep. they make the bami from that. So instead, I did a roasted pork belly and did nice. the bami with the roasted pork belly. And then I pickled some Fresnos. Like, taking what I know and love and taking the, the tradition and going that. That's what my food always does. It's like I make everything from scratch traditionally and then just start to figure out how to make it what I love. Sure. And that, I mean, the, I saw the picture of that bami and, oh, I miss them. There's, that's such a great sandwich. It really is. And it's, it's weird that 
you know, even traveling through, through Asia, right? It's not, it's not sandwich country for lack of a better term. (laughs) But that is just for something that's not sandwich country, that's dynamite. Yeah. That's top three. Like, you know, that's, that's just, to me, that's just one of the most epic sandwiches you can do. And that's, and, and it's just, it was, it took me forever to make the, the Vietnamese roll right. You know, like that little crusty exterior, that soft, chewy, that, that I've perfected at this point, but then, you know, making like, I make like a sriracha mayo, but I make the sriracha and I make the mayo. Wow. Because of the heat levels that I want and like the creaminess I want because I'm making the garlic with, you know, I'm infusing it with garlic when I make the mayo. So like it really, that that's the fun for me in food. You know, people sometimes think it's showy and they're like, why would you do that? Why would you make mayonnaise? I'm like, cause I really like my mayonnaise the way I make it. And I've really figured out how to do it the way I really love. And you know, it, I love that part of it. It, it feeds my soul. Is it weird to you that if you say, Hey, this has mayonnaise on it. So like, for instance, the best grilled cheese is at every diner. They put mayonnaise on the bread, not butter. It gives it a better, if you want to make a good grilled cheese at home, let me tell you something, put mayonnaise on it. Now there's going to be people who go, I can't hear the word mayonnaise. I freak out. But then you say, put an aioli on it. And they're like, best thing ever. Right. (laughs) It's all. It's it's egg, it's egg whites and, and, and oil. And it's done together. You're just emulsifying. And like, I feel that way about lard. If they had called it like white lightning, Everybody yep. would use it, but you hear that word lard and you associate this huge tub of things people put in their hair. Like you get this weird thought process, but lard is like, I've used lard for everything. I make lard at home all the time. And I use it for baking and stuff comes out amazing. And it's totally aioli or maya, mayonnaise, right? It's just hot. Aioli is just fancy mayonnaise mayonnaise sister you know like it's 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 the pretentious rich cousin of mayonnaise (laughs) it's the kennedy compound mayonnaise right (laughs) right i love that oh here comes (laughs) aioli oh oh. we're at jersey shore with mayonnaise let's go up see our friends at the kennedy compound with aioli come on kids let's go (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) made the same Right. It's the, it's the same thing, basically. I mean, let's not mince words. It's the same thing. Question for you, um, just because it is um, this transition in food that we've seen, right? And we're watching Waiting here, and they're at shenanigans. And it's, it's oh, the yeah. chain. It's the chain, right? And we've had the Red Robin. I mean, Office Space famous for the flare points. Sure. We've... Um, it see you know America went from, you know, hey guy Fieri, here's your shout out. Diners, drive-ins, and dives. We went from that in the seven, you know, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. All of a sudden, it's like, wait, McDonald's has shown us good, bad, or indifferent that people want the same shit all the time. So we can do Red Robin, Red Robin, Red Robin, and then there's a formula. And there's exact science to how we make our blended drinks, to our bottomless fries, to our burger. And Denny's is the same way, right? And then you get all this other stuff that mass produces. And then I don't know what happened or where it happened. 
But all of a sudden, the champions, the Red Robins, the Denny's of the world, they didn't go away, but they weren't as prevalent as they were, you know, 20 years ago. And where did you, did you see that turn coming or that shift where all of a sudden that small independent restaurant, that aggressive chef that wanted to do something? I mean, I remember moving here to Austin over 10 years ago and I had a, um, I had a uh, beef, uh, venison heart beef tartare with a pesto drizzle and a chunk, a thin slice, but like a chunk, just stabbed in the center of white chocolate and fresh cra cracked pepper on top. Now, if you asked me to eat it, I'm a kid from Montana, I'd be like, I'll pass, I'll just get the burger. But I knew the chef and he just brought it out to me. And I ate the whole thing and I was asking for more. Right. But it was, there's the, but that change, that pendulum, that swing, when did you have you did you see that coming i mean i i mean i wouldn't say i saw it coming but i was never we were never my mom was never big like chain we never went to chain restaurants very often she always cooked at home you okay. know we were always doing everything at home that's where i really found that influence of making everything from scratch but you know i in in like the 90s you know, in Boston, there was definitely a big change in the restaurant scene because there's things like the Blue Room and East Coast Grill, which is like these restaurants started coming out that were had the open kitchens, mm -hmm. cooking over live wood, you know, hardwoods and doing these dishes that, you know, people had, it was, it went away from the fine dining and it went away from the chains, I think at the same time, you know, like all of a sudden going out to eat wasn't all the she-she. It was people cooking food that they loved from, that they grew up with, but let it be from the South, you know, wherever. I really feel like the independent restaurant tour started taking over and that's when people started getting away from TV dinners and things like that, you know, and getting away from the chains of trying something that was home cooked. It just, it had, it was, it was high-end food from the heart. Yeah. And I think that's where it really started to change. And then everybody, you know, people start coming in and doing like amazing, create like butchering and just getting back to that old school way of doing things. God, and that's the coolest, man. You go into a restaurant, there's a place in Austin here called Salt and Time and it's a butcher shop <laughs> first. And then they've got a restaurant on the side. Um, and the restaurant on the side is, I mean, there's stuff that's not on the menu. You have to know to ask for it. You go in and you ask for it and you get cool. it. You know, they only got like five, but you know, they're the best. You go in they're like, Hey Jay, I'm like, you know what I want? Like, yep. Or sometimes I go in, I'll go into places like that. And I won't even look at the menu. I'll just like, Hey, just whatever the chef is feeling today, just send it up. I'm good. That's perfect. I mean, I'm not that's, picky. A great, that's a great way to eat because I know when chefs, when I go to friends places and they make something, it's always, you know, they're making something that's not on the menu. So they're, they're creating something. And those guys are just, I mean, they're geniuses putting stuff together and things I would never think of, you know, and that, that's a great way to do it. Just like, bring me what you're, what you're going to make. I had an octopus dish Ooh. here in Boston that the chef sent out to me. It was this braised octopus that had been done in like Nana's tomato sauce. Okay. It was 
one of the best things it was like a pasta dish with octopus i'd never had any the flavor profile is insanely deep and like soulful and i'd never it would never be something i would order mm -hmm. but good lord it was one of the the chef just sent it out it was one of the greatest things i've ever eaten yeah i, I like the uniqueness and uh when, when chefs go off to the right or the left. Like I had a squid ink mousse with, um, wow. with octopus. And I was like, I've never, it was light and airy. It was a very airy mousse. It was very light, but I was like, I'd never, I, I mean, who, who tries to emulsify do this thing? Who does this over here? And he just like, right. I just wanted to try it and sends it out. I'm like, okay. I mean, I was just absolutely blown wow. away. What, um, when you, uh, when you're engaging with other chefs, you know, you're talking with them and, is it, I've, I've always wondered this, right? Is, is it a, because uh, you're very competitive. All chefs are very, very competitive. So is it a, a sharing to know that what you're sharing they can't make and they're going to have to come to you behind the scenes when no one else is around to come? <laughs> or is it more of an appreciation, like a sharing of like, oh, shit, I could do that, but I don't necessarily have, the technical skills that chef Joe has to do. I always feel like, like all the chefs I know, you know, you're, when it gets to the technical skills, a lot of everyone's kind of evenly matched in a sense, like people can chop, they understand how to butcher. There's a lot behind what they know how to do. It's their personality that gives them their uniqueness. You know, that's why everyone's food is so different. It's because of the way they think mm -hmm. and they think about it differently than you. I've always found in Boston that it's been nothing but sharing here everyone's been like you know I, Andy who's a Andy Husbands who's this amazing chef up here you know we went to a Pats game in November and did a tailgate and it was fun being with a bunch of chefs tailgating and having <laughs> everyone come over and they knew the tent where the chefs were and we were just making some great food and he was doing like tomahawks but I always find it's very sharing it's very open and when I'm with a lot of chefs, I also find that it's very rare that we talk about food. Really? We'll be cooking a lot, but mostly we're just, it, it, it's not a lot of like, hey, you know, what do you caramelize at? You know, like, what do you, do you believe in this? Like, it's always like, oh, it's really fucking good. Like, I love this. <laughs> like, I'm going to steal this. Like, you know, like, I always find it's a lot of that and, the most things that I found out here from chefs is people were really willing to open doors for me and help me and introduce me to people and just kind of show me, show me the ropes. I felt, I feel like the Boston food scenes, just a lot of really nice people. That's what I found. And it's a real community. I do a lot of charity work around here with people and the chefs always step up to the plate to help everybody everywhere. I mean, they're just, they're just good salt of the earth kind of people I've found. I mean, I, I think, you know, um, I don't think chefs get their due for being, I mean, I, I consider them some of the hardest workers. I agree. You know, it's from planning and preparation and understanding and, and also knowing how to work with the talent around them. I mean, yeah. I, I think people forget you can be Jeffrey Zakarian and, and create the most ecstatic crazy menu and i forget the chef in dc who's the big gastro you know um, science yeah, science guy you can be him or you know you can be um 
you know, any of the wonderful female chefs out there. You can be all of them, but you're not alone. I mean, on Chopped, you're alone. You know, on some of the yeah. food work networks, you're alone. But generally speaking, you're with a staff. And so not only do you have to create an amazing menu that's going to blow the socks off of your friends and all the people that are paying good money to come in and eat your food, yeah. you have to create it so that that staff can recreate it for you because you can't do everything. Yeah, and you're managing all those personalities and you're managing, yeah. you know, like, and you're managing the dynamic between all those people. I mean, that's, that's why restaurants are just, I mean, God bless them that they're <laughs> doing that. You know, that's, I have, I have enough trouble just managing me, you know, yeah. let, alone, let alone, you know, 15 other people and who has a doctor's appointment and who got in an accident over the weekend, you know, like, Man, it's a lot to juggle. And I know that's always been the problem for restaurants is staffing. You know, staff is really tough. It's very tough. I mean, here we've got a Chef Drew here in Austin. And uh, he's a great guy. He's got some great restaurants. I, I, I love Chef. Uh, you know, he gets, it's, it's funny. He's made some mac and cheese for my daughter, but she likes Jay's mac and cheese up at the sports bar I was talking about. <laughs> and so here's a guy who competed on Iron Chef and he's like, hey, try this mac and cheese. And she's like, it's okay. And I'm like, hey, this is real good. He's like, Jason, I impressed you a long time ago. I don't care. Like, I won your heart a long time ago. <laughs> it's this six-year-old I'm trying to impress. And damn it, she's, I'm going to get <laughs> Right? Like, next, and then all of a sudden you're sitting down and you're like, I'm going to make her a mac. Like, you know, then yep. it's like, now it becomes a thing. You've got you've got to impress her. There's like... My two-year-old daughter, even when she's like, you know, I'll make something like roasted salmon and I'll be like, oh, you like this? No. No. Like, try it. And she tries it and she's like, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, that's good salmon. You know, and I'm like, Benjamin, eat that salmon. He's like, dad, it's good. He's like, she's two. Doesn't matter. I do. I I finally got my daughter to um, eat chicken. And so I slow cook it in a little chicken broth. Yeah. And then I get it nice and tender, but I don't shred it because she doesn't like it shredded. She doesn't like it chopped. Okay. She wants it on a slider. She wants the chunk, but she also wants it that it could be shredded. So she could pull a piece off to test it if she wants to without cutting it. And I'm just the, but the thing is, you know, and, and this is a big meme and a joke in the, uh, you know, in, in all the, she's the Karen of my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's my karen bad haircut just demanding i'm like listen asshole you didn't pay for any of this i don't care i want my chicken slider like this could you put a cheese on it I want, do you, you want to try it without the cheese please just try the 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 pureness of this garlic black pepper chicken i made for you can you just try it she goes yeah on a hawaiian honey sweet slider with a slice of Elvita cheese, please. I'm like, you just ruined what I've made. Don't you understand you're destroying my soul right now? Yeah, just the it's, worst. Like my son, greatest eater on the planet, eats everything. I mean, when we were, we were in Colombia and South America, trying everything with me, he's just, he's just a, got a great, he's a wonderful eater. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't like cheese. What? They, see? Right, doesn't like cheese. Doesn't like if you offered him a grilled cheese, he'll be like, no. Like cheese on pasta? No way. No. No. Won't Not do even it. Parm? 
Nope. I call him a communist all the time. And it, like, he, <laughs> he, he's, he what com- he's what communist countries love. They're like, good, we don't have cheese. <laughs> it's, for, <laughs> it's for those capitalist assholes over there. <laughs> We're not Richie Rich capitalists. That's right. He, like, literally <laughs> just, and my other, my two daughters love cheese. But I'm like, even, like, he loves burgers. And we make burgers all the time here. All different grinds. We have, we have a blast with it. And I offer him still to this day, I'm like, you want to try a cheeseburger? I'm like, cheeseburgers are like heaven. He's like, no. It's like, I'm not going to ruin my burger with cheese. I'm like, oh. are we? No, he doesn't like pizza then. Loves pizza, but you have to pull fresh moths. Oh, okay. But then he'll only put it, he'll only dot it on. It's like your daughter, right? They're just like, I'm like, wait, <laughs> we're making pizza and now I got to pull fresh moths? Like, Thanks. Thanks for making this a, easy for me. What a day off. Yeah, good. I was going to do this anyways. No, I wasn't. No. Ridiculous. Right? It's just like, how how much more spoiled can you... And then we were out, and it was just me and him, and we, mm-hmm. we, were hit, we hit a sub shop, and we're sitting there in this little sub shop, just right, in, right outside of Boston, and we just got some chicken parm and a meatball sub, and we're just talking. He's like, it's like, man, they overcooked the chicken. He's like, they way oversaw. I'm like, BBB. I'm like, <laughs> they're right there. I'm like, you don't, you don't trash it like you're on Food Network when we're here. Oh no. Like, what are you doing? But also, and let's be honest, and I, I believe there's more than just you and I as parents out there doing this, right? Giving our kids good food, good opportunities, good oh, flavors. 100%. Um, encouraging them and challenging them to try new things and uh, I mean, he was right yeah he was right but it's also it's food's only going to get better now right right i mean no offense to the 90s but that was a rough patch for food yeah i think food now i think really i think a big game changer like we were talking about earlier was food tv yeah when food network came out i think that was the game changer for people at home because there's only so much you can experience from your house when you go out to eat, because it's very rare, you know, in the, in the eighties and, you know, the beginning of the nineties, you know, where you're going to go, Hey, I want to go have Thai if you hadn't had Thai before, or I want to try, you know, Ethiopian, you know, like, but when all of a sudden you're on, you see things on food network that you haven't tried, but it looks delicious and it's a personality is presenting to in a fun way. You know, like, I, I really feel like that was a big game changer for people. They were realizing there was a lot more food culture out there. There was a lot of different food they wanted to try. And there was ways to recreate it at home. And once they recreated it at home, if an authentic place opened up, they want to go and try it there. And I think that was kind of a catalyst to people really getting out there and trying food and trying to make things at home as well. I mean, I just, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's funny, we, um, you brought up Thai food and it, my, my, brain peaked uh, my wife and i before we, we did our um our honeymoon in thailand and, oh, I wow. love, and i love spicy i mean here i am this 6'2 220 pound irish kid you know the sun comes up and i get a sunburn <laughs> and i'm in thailand and we i'm like hey i want to i'm uh, i'd like this it was a 
Koisoga, which is this red stew that has like three or four fried um, chicken, um, chicken dumpling, chicken legs in it that are in there. And it's got these beautiful big spinach leaves in it. And it's, just, it's, but it's spicy. It's very good. It's got some, um, I forget what the noodle is. It's a flat, wide noodle in there as well. Okay. And, then, yeah. and, then, and then just chunks of, of just, I mean, just amazing greens, amazing, rich, flavorful greens that, that are very earthy that kind of tie everything together. Man, that's making my mouth water. Well, I'm like, I want it hot. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want this white guy hot. I want it hot. I want it tie hot. <laughs> and they're like, okay. So they bring it out and like, what do you think? And I go, do you have those? Um, Cause they've got those chili flake peppers when you got, that's it. It's like, it's crystallized when you cut through with this spoon. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just dumping that in there. I'm like, it's not hot enough. And the chef comes, I said, like, okay, come back tomorrow. It's on me. Come back tomorrow. What? So I come back the next day and I'm like, I want it hot. And he comes out. I was like, I'm going to make it hot. I'm like, bro, I want it tie hot. I want the top of my head to sweat. I want it hot. I want to feel the layers of heat. You want it working in the kitchen on the line hot. I do. I want, because, but I don't see that as like pump. Some people are just, they don't have a palate for, for heat. So like, oh, you know, jalapeno ruins the whole dish for me. It's too hot. It's too spicy. Ruins right. everything. It kills it. Doesn't kill it for me. I love that. I, I can still taste the layers. I can see how it brings stuff together, especially if heat's done correctly. Sure. It triggers an endorphin that, you know, makes, the, makes you happy. Oh, it was so hot, and it was really. So, oh man, I was my hair was wet. And my wife's like, "Are you in pain?" <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm so happy. This is." And I'm like, "Wipe and I've got three extra napkins. <laughs> my collar's wet. The spoon's melted. Oh yeah." And the guy comes. He's like, "How was it?" And I'm like, "I will have this again tomorrow." No way. At the resort, I had it every night every night and every day we went into we were up in chiang mai it was so the northern dishes are red the southern dishes are green we're up in the okay. north and uh every night i had that for dinner but every day for for uh, breakfast and lunch i'd come out and they cook their eggs with fish oil and every morning I'd be like eggs no fish oil the guy be like sure squirt the fish oil in crack the egg i'm like bro i can i cook and if one of the guys like what i'm like I'll make my breakfast. And I went around back to line, made myself some eggs. And then, you know, some other white guys like, I'll have the eggs he's having. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like no, he had I'm probably been work. saying no fish sauce for three days as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it was to go there and experience that food. And then we did like one it. thing, which was, you know, it was dumb on our part. You're going to go to a foreign land. You eat all their food all the time. I don't care what else they try to sell. Eat their food. Eat the local food. Go to the local restaurants. Eat, eat, eat. Have a great time. I couldn't agree more. We were we were there for two weeks, and towards the end of our second week, we were kind of hankering for just something different. And so I saw a pizza joint, and I'm not thinking. You know, uh, Asia Pack's not really good at making cheese because the environment's not there to really make the cheese. Right. And so I order a pizza at a pizzeria. And I see the guys in the back and they're standing there and they're drinking wine and there's a brick oven and there's nothing going on in there. It's been about 10 minutes. And then I hear a motorcycle pull up and I look behind me and the motorcycle guy pulls out a frozen pizza. The guy puts it in the microwave for two minutes, squirts ketchup on the top for the sauce, for the red sauce. 
No way. <laughs> Takes some flour and dusts it around, puts it on one of those wooden things you pull the pizza out of the oven with, walks out to our table like it just came out of the pizza oven, slides it off, hot, 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 hot. <laughs> and he's like, there's your pizza. <laughs> and I was just like, could I get the uh, Thai drumsticks? Yeah, and... exactly. <laughs> like, I'll take the eggs with the fish oil. Yeah, anything. <laughs> Whatever you guys want. The passion fruit salad, 100% again, please. Oh, my Lord. That's ridiculous. It was awesome, though, because there's like, this is not our game. This is not what we do, but okay, yeah. here we go. Then they're faking the You know, I mean, yeah. that was the same in Colombia. You know, it was like when you're walking around Medellin and you know, you're just trying the food. You don't speak the language there. And it's not like they kind of speak Spanish. They, you know, they don't speak English. You don't speak Spanish. It was thank the Lord for Uber because you can just pin where you're going. So it, was, yep. it made it very easy to travel down there. But the food down there. To die for? It was just so phenomenal. The fruits and veggies are so fresh. And the butcher counters are amazing because it's like this huge long counter with like a sneeze guard and it has little diner seats and you sit down and you get a butcher comes over there's like 10 of them and you tell them what cuts they are and they start cutting it like behind it's like a show but i i didn't know the spanish for all the cuts and i'm trying to talk to them and finally they the guy just came out back and he plopped down this picture of a cow and I was like, ooh, here, here, here. <laughs> and they were like, You're like, there you go. I'm, uh, where's your, uh, where's been your, one of your favorite places to, uh, to travel for food besides Columbia? You know, I, I gotta say, we were just in New York. Yeah. And I know it's New York and it's not another country and everything, but I gotta give a shout out to New York, man. The food scene down there, I mean, I think the food scene in Boston is phenomenal, but down there, man, it was, it's just another level. It's, I, I say it's, New York's the city that never sleeps. Vegas, hold your monocry all you want. You want to get an amazing steak at 1 a.m.? There's one city in America you can do that. New York. Right? I mean, we, we went to this place uh, called Oxamoco in Brooklyn. Ooh. And it was hands down the best meal I ever had in my life. Really? It was... It, it snapped my head back. What, I, what made it? Um, it was how, it was, it was Mexican, but the chef just, he was thinking he was somewhere else. They, one of the dishes was, it was a tostada, but it was raw tuna, a raw tuna tostada with thinly shaved um, avocado and this combination of like Mexican spice and soy on the top. I had never seen nor heard anything like that. And I ordered it. And to be honest, it was probably the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. Wow. I, I just could not. My wife said my, my face just dropped when I took a bite of it. She doesn't like raw tuna. It's just not her thing. But I was like, here, try it. She tried it. And we ended up ordering another one. She couldn't, we, we couldn't believe everything that came out was just you know, like these little tacos with a flank that sounds so s simple, but we just sat there and everything, every time we eat, we just, we're like, oh my God, oh my God. 
so when we went down again with the kids, uh, my two oldest both have December birthdays. So we didn't want to get them presents for their birthday and then presents for Christmas. It's sure. just kind of boring. So we were like, hey, every year, instead of getting presents for your birthday, we'll take you to, on a trip. So awesome. By we, the way, best, best parenting advice of all time. Forget, take your kids on trips. They're going to make them better people. And you have fun. They have fun. Yep. They learn a lot. They see other cultures. They see how everything works. So my son was like, hey, he's like, you said you had the best meal ever at Oxamoco and it has a Michelin star. He's like, I really want to go there. And I was like, okay. So I took my son. He was, he was nine at the time. And my daughter was six. So we went again and they tried everything. And again, it was just frigging phenomenal. I tried all different stuff and it was just one of those experiences when you're in New York, when you just, just eating there, even breakfast, like these little joints that, you know, we would look up and do some research. We're staying right at the Wythe in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And we just go there and the attention to detail and how much care goes into just like this little eggs hollandaise dish that they're putting out, you know, or a little scone, the coffees, everything was just, I, I, I'd have to say that was, New York to me is just like the food mecca because you can find anything anywhere because every culture is there yeah and damn near almost any time yeah exactly you know even going to cats which is so touristy but it's so fun you know it's like it, it's just a fun experience and you know the deli, it's still a good deli you know it's it's still it, it's a fun place to go but we loved Colombia. that was that was the food there was spectacular next is on our list is spain okay so i think we're gonna we're gonna try to go there this year but you know i don't i don't know what's going on there. no one knows what's no going one on. knows it's 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 tough uh what do you um when you're when you're creating and uh you know you're, you're you've got a, let's say a new a new client uh how much of them is coming to you saying this is what I want to eat and how much of you is it an interview process of, of understanding them to create something for them that breaks them out of their comfort zone. I mean, I'm sure some of that is them, right? Breaking them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. I mean, it's always a combination, but one of the things I've found over the years is, you know, when you're starting clients, especially when I'm cooking and they have kids and stuff, you can't go from they were eating takeout all the time and, you know, I try to find a dish that they really liked from the takeout and I make it mine, but I make it healthier and I make a different version of it. So it kind of eases them in sure. to getting in, changing their dietary habits and looking at, you know, how they're eating and what they're eating. And a lot of it's things, you know, I was trying to just get a list from everyone in the family of what they like and then start creating dishes from there. What's your favorite dish? What's your favorite five dishes? And I kind of take a look to see where everyone's at and then start creating dishes that are really, you know, contoured to their, what they like, you know, some, you know, do you like it spicy? Do you like this? Do you like Italian? Do you like Thai? You know, what can we start getting into here and start making dishes? Do you like chicken? Do you like beef? It's always, I always find the first month is a feeling out process mm -hmm. and they love it because they're getting great food. And then after that month, I'm able to kind of say, hey, 
do you want to try this? You've loved what I've done here. Can we get a little more adventurous here? Sure. Why don't we try this here? Do you want to try this here? You know, and, and, and it, it, you know, you have to adhere to their dietary and what they're trying to, they're always trying to accomplish something, let it be eating healthier or trying to lose weight or having their kids eat something other than chicken nuggets and hot dogs, which, you know, a lot of parents run into. I mean, it, when you don't cook for a living, you know, that's a, and you're working all the time. I know it's a tough challenge and I don't look down on it. You know, it's, it's hard. You know, but it's kid, also, that's, in kid's mouth, that's what, you know, that's great advice for parents. I mean, it really is great advice. The way you said that you're like, you look at, and let's just, you know, the, the fast food example is you guys eat out a lot. And let's just even say fast food. You guys eat out a lot. What do you like to eat out? And then you're creating a, a healthier or a different twist on that that aligns a little more with what's going on maybe you know, seasonally or whatever that might be. Exactly. You know, that's, that's a beautiful thing for any parent who wants to experiment cooking at home is, hey, take your kids to where they like to go, number one. This is what I've always thought, right? If I'm wrong, please do correct me. I'm, I am by no means uh, uh, in Mensa. Um, but it's like, <laughs> but it's like, take your kids where they want to go. Why do you like this burger? Oh, it's, it's, you know, we got, um, it's in and out. No, no, no. I know the place we went. Why do you like it? Yeah. Well, Sally likes it. No, 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 no. Why do you like it? Okay. Well, the patty's thin and this bun is really soft yeah. and the cheese is really gooey. And it's like, okay, so soft bun, thin. I mean, when I make burgers at home, they're this thick. Can I figure out how to make them this thick? What can I do to go from an inch to a quarter of an inch and stick, you know, and, and, and then is it, do you like pepper on it? No, no, they don't put pepper on this burger. And that's, and I don't like your burger mom because you put pepper on it. Okay, good to know. But that process, I think the bigger picture, if you want to take a step back, you're unveiling a communication process that allows and trains your children and you to communicate more effectively. And I'll even rewind it back to your comment about why you should work at restaurants. Communication. Yeah. You fundamentally become a better communicator, hands down, after you've worked at least a year in a restaurant for all the reasons we explained earlier. Yeah. But then also, you got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. I got a six-year-old. Pull information out of them. Try it. What do you like? This. Why? Because it's good. Yep. <laughs> yep that's what you get so that's why when i talk to like when i do a lot of i do a lot of teaching and i tell parents you know like look i'm coming from the trenches i have a 10 7 and 2 year old i'm in, <laughs> You're in. You know, it's not like i'm shielded from this and i'm just a single guy saying hey cook better food for your kids and make them eat it you know i'm not i know what it's like yeah and the biggest thing you can do is cook with your kids. Yep. Everyone says, oh, it's too hard. They're running around. They're doing this. They're doing that. Okay. Get them involved. Okay. Yeah. A, they're going to learn a skill that they'll take with them forever. B, they're going to start wanting to say, hey, I want to put this in because I like it. They're going to start smelling all the spices. They're going to start to learn what their flavor profile. It's going to increase. And kids are 99% more going to try something that they had their hand in than if you just put it in front of them. If they see every step and they say, oh, well, I know everything that's in that chicken that's on my plate. I wouldn't have eaten it if you just put it in front of me, but mm -hmm. I chopped the peppers for that. I did this for that. 
I sauteed. I helped dad do this part. I want to try it. Ooh, I did a really good job. Can I try it again? That's what I found. And that's, that's when I think you're really in it to win it. Cause my kids love to cook with me and I'll take it every single time. And I'll say for people that are cautious, start with, you know, and it sounds maybe a little overwhelming, but honestly, it's easier. Start with desserts. Desserts, you don't, you're generally not using anything sharp Absolutely. with desserts, right? You're not using anything sharp. Making no. brownies, you're not using anything sharp for brownies. Cupcakes, right? brownies, cookies. Do that. Yeah. And then, and don't be afraid to go against, if they want to try something. My daughter, the other day, I made, I was making brownies with her and I go, what do you want to do? And she's like, well, I want to make these brownies. I go, great, let's make them. That's what we're doing, you know, got the double broiler up on this. is a double broiler. It's the only dangerous hot part, melting down the chocolate. Right. Getting it all ready. But she's standing there next to me and she's like, can you feel the heat? She goes, yep. I'm like, all right, you got to watch where your hands are. Do that. But then she goes, dad, um, we should add peanut butter to this. I'm like, all right, do you know how to add it? She goes, no. I'm like, let me show you. Set the double broiler up again, get the peanut butter, do a drizzle in of that. And she goes, did I see graham crackers up there? I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, I want those in there. And then you're at a crux of the road, right? You can be like, oh, throw yep. them in there and it's going to be gummy and gross inside yep. or put it on top and it's this nice crusty top. And I go, yep. hey, hey, honey, because this is moist and, and graham crackers really take moisture and really well and they get super gummy, we should put it on top and let it cook on top. And then, you know what, let's go ahead and throw some marshmallow chunks in there as well and let's make it like the best brownie s'more peanut butter adventure you've ever had. Awesome. They were, they were, well, one, she tried it. She loved it. And the first thing she did, let's take these to the neighbors. I want my neighbor friends to try these. And right. And immediately she wants to give, I love yeah. that. Food is awesome. But food does that. I mean, food brings out when you do it. I always love this. When you do it right, it brings out the best in one to share. When you do it wrong, you're that much closer to doing it right because you yeah. know your mistake. Yeah, and ninety percent of the time, when you do it wrong, it's still it's still pretty good. It's still pretty good, but failure gets you closer. And yeah. there's nothing more proven in that than food. That's awesome. I love that philosophy because you're teaching your kids so many lessons when you're in the kitchen. Plus, you're spending time with them, and yeah, and it's positive time and. I love that part of it. I love that, you know, my daughter can be on the counter. She's doing the stirring. My son is doing the chopping. And I love that he can sear his own steaks. And when I need help, you know, I know he can, he's a 10 year old and then people kind of freak out when they see him on, on a job. He's got a you know, 10 inch chef knife, agent chef knife and he's chopping. And I'm like, well, I'm not afraid of it because I taught him how to do it properly. He has complete respect for that knife. He knows how to hold his hands. He knows not to fool around. He knows to always be looking. And if he cuts himself a bit, guess what? That's life. And also, I, because he learned how to cut from, from you, you probably trust him more than the person who's concerned about that sharp knife in his hand. 100. The person that's worried about him is the person that comes to one of my classes and they have an onion and they're chop they're holding it in their hand trying to cut it through it. Yeah. They're talking with the knife. Oh. And I'm like, hey, can you put the knife down? Please. You know, and like they're the people, like, if you're worried about your kids with the knife, 
I mean, you're going to worry about them driving too, but you teach them how to drive properly and then you have to trust them and let them go. What, um, it's always funny. I I tell people this and I, like the ends of my fingers, there's really no feeling there. Oh yeah. Dead. (laughs) Dead. Yeah. 100%. My kids call it chef hands. They're like, people are like, why are you touching that hot thing? Does that burn your hand? I'm just like, I mean, if I held it here, it'd get hot, but I'm touching stuff and grabbing something and moving it. Why do you think I care? My fingers have been, (laughs) I put put oil poured. I mean, listen, stop, get out of here. I, God, I was cooking for a big event we were doing in Boston and I was doing this, I was going to do pulled beef empanadas. So Mm -hmm. I had to get all the, the chuck roasted, like it was just this long braise to get it the way. So I had to do it the night before, but I was doing like 30 pounds of chuck and just braising it. So I was doing it in the oven and I had these high roasting pans. So I was taking, I was like 12 at night and I was just trying to get it done. And I took, took it out of the oven. It was of course filled with fat, you know, that I oh, yeah. it out and I put it on the counter and I clipped it on the front just a little. So the, the oil sloshed yep. and like that and went right onto my leg. And I heard, I was in flip-flops and shit, and I heard it sear. Like I heard my legs sear. And I was like, oh, man. Oh. So I finished doing everything. And it, like it was kind of painful. You know that like I'll just suck it up and I'll be yep. fine. So I went to bed and like I still have a picture of it. Like my whole leg the next morning was just like a burn blister. But I had, I had to teach in the morning, and then I had the event that night. So you know how it is. You just like, oh, I'll just, just friggin' wrap it. <laughs> Throw some yeah, like, got, got some burnt corn on there. Done. Me and corn in a wrap. It, it'll be fine. Like fine. What? Like, it's hot fat that got thrown on my on my very very precious flesh. I'm fine. Like, you know, two hours later, it's leaking. I'm like. That's fine. 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 <laughs> I'll just suck it up. You know, I still have no feeling there, but it's fine. Listen, <laughs> so it's the casualties of war. Hey, we're, first of all, I could talk to you forever. Yeah, absolutely. Is, I mean, this is amazing. But um, what I want to do is, so for the at-home cooks, the people yeah. that are out there, there are, there are some easy things to cook that honestly get messed up every time. Right. I mean, and then people feel overwhelmed because they're like, oh, well, if shit, if I can't make this, well, well you know, from, you know, putting a, a, a chunk of, um, of like a pork roast in the in um, in a crock pot and it comes out hard because they didn't add water or seasoning and they didn't yeah. put the water in the seasoning in first so that the chuck roast kind of sat on top a little bit or whatever that may be. Right. They just they what are what are some tips? you would give, you know, the, uh, the people out there for some easy things that would, that would help them out? Well, I always tell people in classes, it's instead of learning a dish, learn how to cook every, like one thing really well. Like instead of, learn how to sear. Okay. So for me, searing is one of the big things in the kitchen for people to learn. When like when you're doing steaks mm-hmm. on the grill or in a pan, it doesn't matter what the heat source is. We're looking for caramelization, yep. right? We want to, and all that is is the Maillard reaction. We're pulling the sugars out and they're browning from the heat. 
So we want to make sure that we have hot pans and we're not flipping it back and forth. So when you put your steak down, you have to resist flipping it. I know it's hard for people, but you just let it sear for two to three minutes on a nice hot pan. You've also taken the steaks out a half hour beforehand and you've seasoned them with salt and pepper beforehand. So that salt has had a chance to work into the steak, start pulling moisture out. Then we're getting a nice crust when we're searing it. So if you're putting all that salt and pepper on a cold steak and then you're putting it in the pan, bad things are going to happen. It's not going to come out the way you want. If we've taken the time, if the steak's rested, we have a nice hot pan and we're getting that beautiful caramelization. And that, now that you've learned how to sear that steak, that's going to go with when you do vegetables, when you do chicken, when you do pork, they all sear the same way. Mm-hmm. You're still looking like if you put your asparagus in a pan, you want it brown. So what don't you do? You don't put a hundred asparagus in a small pan and expect to get browning. It's going to yeah. steam. We're going to take our time, get a hot oil, do them in batches, get things brown. Brown food is yummy. So that's one thing. And then I also I always tell people to try to make pasta from scratch. I teach that a lot. I, you know, it's going to be one of the first shows for our second season. But it's just flour and eggs. And you can do it in a food processor. I actually have a recipe up on my site on What's your site? Uh, Joe, Gatto's, Joe Gatto's from scratch.com. And um, there's tons of recipes from my book on there as well. Give the book name, please. And uh, seriously from scratch available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but you can get it right from the site. And once you're on my site, you can also get to Pluto and watch all the shows. So we have if you've got Amazon, books. by the way, it's free on Amazon on Pluto. I've it's coming it. up. Coming yeah. on Amazon. Oh, no, Pluto, the Pluto app is on Amazon for free. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. So. Pluto is free. It's a yep. free app, just like Netflix, except it's free. Yep. And it's awesome. But, like, you can get some recipes on there that, <clears throat> like, making pasta, it's so easy to make in a food processor and then roll it out. And that's a really fun thing to do with kids. And, yeah, the first time you might have some scrubs, but it's flour and eggs. It's still fun. Yeah. And it's still going to come out great. And it's really easy to do. And that's something I think is a good gateway into making more things yourself. Like we do, like you were saying, making a burger. We do that on one of the episodes of from scratch. So I break down half a cow, you know, and, and we grind our own burger meat. Then we make the buns, we make the ketchup, make the pickles, make the mustard, make the mayo. And then we make hot dogs on that episode from scratch as well. Wow. Yeah. And this is just, I mean, it's, you know, the exciting part of talking with you about this was, A, I mean, one, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to a chef, A, but B, what you've done with your show is, it is, I think it's the perfect balance of what we need to see in food TV. Because, you know, we have the, uh, the, uh, the, the first people, right? Guy in diners, drive-ins and dives, and he's sure. just going around and it's like, Here's the ingredients. We don't know how they got here. They're okay. They're local. Great. Boom, boom, boom. Throw them in. All right. It's been 30 minutes. Pull it out. Boom, boom. And it's, you know, it's cut for television and it's beautiful. It's done. Absolutely. You know, and I, I love, love what, that show. I love what Guy's doing. And he's come here to Austin a couple of times. And I love how he, that the small business aspect of what he's done. Then you have Chopped where it is, I'm going to throw you random ingredients and you only have 20 or 30 minutes to make something. Yep. And there's the speed factor in that, right? And then there is what you're doing, which is the, for lack of a better term, the supply chain factor of it. Yeah. Of saying, hey, 
you know, you can't cut this steak if you don't have this knife. Wait, and to get this it... knife, you got to get this knife. And to get this steak, is it an elk steak? Are you going to go hunting? Uh, is, it, is, it, is it, you know, and then you have to weigh out all these other options and you have to dance through all these other things. Yep. And all of that happening, the beauty of your show is, is, is showing that. It's, it's easier for people to be like, you know, uh, meat doesn't come from the supermarket. That's easy to say. And, and, and of course, quite, yeah. quite honestly, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of talking down to people. And I don't think it helps with the natural grocers. And I don't think it helps with um, getting people in the kitchen. I just don't. I don't either. But doing what you're doing, when you grab a knife, it makes you appreciate it, right? Not just the sharpness. I mean, it's great to have a sharp knife. You have to, if you want how to. It, how it's made, how it grips to your hands and, you know, everything that's behind it. And one of the biggest inspirations for me, and it always will be, and then we're getting to the end here, but yeah, it's fine. for me was, um, you know, Julia Child, when she made her show, they, everyone wanted to know what, you know, what she wanted to get out of her show. And her biggest thing was she wanted to inspire people. And that's all I want to do. You know, I don't, I'm not preachy. I never have been. I never will be. I just want to inspire people to get in or out of the kitchen and just start cooking and cooking with people they love because it does bring a lot of joy. And it is a great skill for your kids to learn when they go to college and, you know, they're not just eating ramen. They can make ramen from scratch, which I, I just did. And it was really fun. <laughs> See, that sounds fun. I mean, I was telling a buddy, I go, I was so poor growing up. My daughter's like, really? I said, listen, my lunch sometimes was piece of bread, mustard, potato chips, <laughs> and another piece of bread. And she's like, it's a lot of carbs. I'm like, first of all, I didn't know what the hell carbs was. <laughs> carbs didn't exist. Carbs? 1979, carbs didn't exist, okay? Listen. Oh, there's no such thing as carbs. <laughs> No one was watching carbs. I, and we were so poor, we didn't boil our ramen. We didn't know. We'd just get the ramen, and I'd eat it out of the bag. What? Yeah. <laughs> From Montana. We're idiots. <laughs> I'm not boiling water. You know what that takes? It's electricity. Are you kidding me? Come on now. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, I just, that's why, you know, the, the luxury and to your point at the very beginning, you should work in a restaurant. You should to understand just food and ask questions. And, and, you know, I would also say is that people get intimidated when tough things come up or, or they break out of their comfort zone. And that's one of the beautiful yeah. things about food and cooking and restaurants. Again, it breaks you out of your comfort zone. I have, had the honor and privilege to make Thanksgiving dinner for lots of people in college. I did it uh, because friends didn't have a place to go. Yeah. And I wanted to make them my crazy food. And then two here as an adult, I was like, Oh no, I want to make different stuff for people. But I also, I want to expand the palate and I want to have fun. So I will do a, I'll take three different kinds of pears and I'll cut them up and I'll stuff that in the Turkey and I'll do a molasses butter base. Yeah. Then, I'll do a spicy sausage stuffing and then I'll do a sweet potato, tarragon, honey, gnocchi. Dude, we're coming there. <laughs> Come on down. Uh, listen, 
anytime you're in Austin. I swear to goodness. One, I, I'll take you up on that. Please, I will run you to all of the restaurants, all the chefs I know, everywhere. We will have an absolute blast. Oh, that to me, like, see, that's how you get, like, Austin's such a great food town, and having the right guide is like, you can't beat that. You know, it's like you can't get to the top of Everest without a good Sherpa. That's you right. You know what I mean? Like, you can't find – Austin has so much good food. Someone that's on the inn that knows everybody, and you know your food. I mean, just from talking to you for this couple hours, I mean, well, you obviously – you really love food. I do. I, um, you know, but that's uh, – and that's a blessing from the people I've worked with, you know, prior. Uh, yeah. You know, I give, I give them the credit because they took the time to, to spend with a young, arrogant kid uh to uh you know to to let him appreciate things you know and and that's why i'm i'm really honored to have you on here because your show takes it to the next level of appreciation of, of understanding it really does and it's it's a great thing man it's a great thing uh in closing here um two things i ask one all the social info your book your show your instagram and then two uh i know you've 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 talked about pasta for, for the kids and we've talked about a lot of stuff, but we haven't hit your favorite dessert. So then tell us your favorite dessert. Then I'm going to say goodbye. And then my kid's going to sing about the first time she took a poop. She'll okay. see you later. <laughs> when she figures out how embarrassing and how many people have heard this, but until then we're running with it. I love it. Uh, for me, it's uh, at chef Jogato for Instagram. It's the only place you have to go that leads you to the website. Jogato's from scratch. You can get all the info from my book, Seriously From Scratch. See my show from scratch there. So at Chef Joe Gatto get you everywhere. Um, and my favorite dessert. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. You know what we make here that I love to make that's probably one of, one of my all-time favorites? I'd have to say lemon bars. Really? Oh, man. A friggin' good lemon bar? I'm just like... I shouldn't say a good lemon bar, like a tray of lemon bars later. <laughs> <laughs> if, there's, if, it's a, if it's a great lemon bar, it's not one great lemon bar. It is multiple right. great lemon bars. As my son said, you know, we really have to try a bunch of them to know if they're good or not. Yeah, I would say a lemon bar. And one of my other favorite things is, um, it, believe it or not, it's a weird one, but butterscotch pudding. Ooh. It's just like, when it's, done, when it's done right, it's just like Joanne Chang, who's a big, she's a big chef. She is like flour up here and she's really known for desserts and stuff. She has a book and she does a butterscotch pudding. It's just like when you take the time and really make the custard, like, you know, like really make it from scratch. Mm -hmm. it, it's kind of pointless because you make such a, the batch isn't very big, so you, you don't want to share it. But because you just spend so much time making it and it's so goddamn good, you know, just kind of huddle in the corner prison style. It just kind of like, but yeah, I would say lemon bars and uh, like a really good cheesecake. I love cheesecake. I, I would say the art of pudding. Uh, that could be a book if it's not already out there. Because the art of pudding, the art of pudding. Because put and listen, Jello tried to make pudding easy, and pudding's hard. Yeah, pudding is hard. Pudding's hard. People out there, I'm not discouraging you from trying pudding, but go chocolate chip cookies first if you haven't cooked. Don't jump into pudding, all right? Pudding's a pain yeah. in the ass. Yeah, don't, don't. Yeah, because people equate jello with pudding, 
And that's, you know, no. it, it's, that's like McDonald's to a ribeye. You know, it's like, they're, they're not, the, just because they're meat doesn't make them the same thing. You know, like pudding, the pudding. art of pudding. The art of pudding. Chef, this is, uh, this will, uh, this will go out tomorrow. I will, um, I'll email awesome. you the, the link. And of course I'll tag you in the post. Uh, and everything. Um, please, uh, you know, uh, please keep doing what you're doing. And dude, I, anytime you want to come on again, when your show's coming out again, or if there's a favorite episode or anything you want to do, let me know. I'll have you on. This has been such an honor and a pleasure. I really appreciate it. And I'll say this, I've been saying this, two things I've been saying. Um, one, I just started again, but the first one is bananas are going to go bad. You're going to go buy new ones. Avocados are prissy little bitches and they're always going to go bad. It's just, it's how it works, but you can go buy new ones, right? That's right. Time you don't get back. You don't. So it is always an honor and a pleasure to, to, um, to have someone's time. And I really do mean that. It's really an I, honor and a pleasure. Can, as they say in the office space, right? That it's all on this side. It's, it's all, all on this side of the table. <laughs> and then uh and then the other thing that i tell people I'm, I'm encouraging people to do especially in this stressful time wake up in the morning i don't care what happened yesterday um but wake up in the morning look in the mirror and say i love you it's going to sound weird it's going to be awkward when you do it but i'll tell you what your day's better your heart's better your mind's better and the way you see people around you knowing that you're happy with yourself and you're patient with yourself allows you to be patient and love and be better around other people. I love it, man. That's great advice. I'm going to take that. I love it, man. Well, chef, thank you so much. I really thank appreciate so it. I had an awesome time talking. I, like you said, I could have kept going too. It was, it was just a great conversation and I loved it. Well, we'll do it again then my friend. We'll do it again. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Have a safe, stay safe. All right. You too, brother. You too. Thank you so much. Cheers. Right. Bye.